ADT professionally installs Google Nest products, helping to make your home safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security system from virtually anywhere. And with Nest Cams and Nest Doorbell, you get intelligent alerts on what matters most. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Welcome to the least controversial episode ever of the E-League Report, the best darn esports show you'll listen to this week. I'm lighthearted, he's positive, and we're coming at you live from the land of the esports care bears. <laughs> E-League's never allowed to send his emails, because every time they do, they turn into memes for the show. I don't know what you're talking about. Coming up on this episode, bar games become esports mainstays, the beautiful game is coming to E-League, another player gets disqualified from a major tournament, and Epic proves that they listen to the show. But first, hold on to your wallets, because Panda Global has a GameCube adapter that got funded in only 28 hours. So it's essentially a GameCube controller adapter for the Nintendo Switch. It's got like an angle viewing thing. It allows you to plug in four controllers. It's got a USB pass through. We talk a lot about like sponsorships. You know, there's all these endemic sponsors that sponsor these teams. But this is a whole other thing. This is an org actually building a piece of hardware. Does this feel like the right way to do the esports version of signature stickers? I think this is actually really cool. It's better than game day pants. Um, game day pants. But in all honesty, it's it's a cool addition to uh, the scene itself, right? Being able to use your controllers on the on the actual switch. Your your uh, I, I think it's 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 unique. It's if nothing different. else, it's already a better dock than the one that comes with the switch. <laughs> right. There's that. But I think that's that's cool because if you look at it from like a competitive uh, standpoint, you know they. they these players want to use the controllers that they're, they've kind of grown up with. They don't want to use the different switch ones. There, there are solutions out there for them, but sometimes they're wireless. And so sometimes you're looking like lag, but this is like direct input USB. It's using the exact same controllers and inputs. I think it's really cool. I think it's a super smart move to partner with this company to build out a piece of hardware. Uh, They've already got uh, spec units that are actually up and running and working. They hit their goal within 28 hours, and they have all these additional goals for, like, allowing it to, like, tilt the screen and additional pieces. It's it's so smart. It's so smart. I'm going to sponsor it just because I hate taking my Switch on the go, and then I want to hook it up in a hotel, and i got to carry all this extra crap with me. Like, if it's literally just this dock, that seems far more portable than the dock that comes with the Switch. I'm always worried it's going to break if I carry it with me. Yeah, and when you go to the to tournaments um, or even it's like just like a local gathering, having something like this just makes life so much easier. And it's not a crazy high price point either. I think it was pretty cheap, like thirty five bucks or something like $45, that. Forty five dollars, I think, was like the forty five to yeah. get in for like the the actual piece. But yeah, it was a hell of a lot cheaper than the damn if you bought an extra dock. <laughs> well worth it. Well worth it. But. Not as cheap as an addiction to Buck Hunter. So, uh, <laughs> like that segue, there you go, my friend. You've been practicing. So, the, the fourth-ranked competitive Buck Hunter, uh, this came actually out on, I think I think I found it on Reddit, but the fourth-ranked competitive Buck Hunter player spends an average of $50,000 a year on the game. $50,000 a year to play Buck Hunter. Why doesn't so, he just, for that, he could just get a copy of Buck Hunter at home. 
But, oh, no, 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 here's the thing. Here's the thing about this. You can't play competitively in Buckhire because it has to be in an open public place where anybody can play. So they, like a bar or something like that. So my thought was you could have bought the bar and still left it out there and played for free, which probably was a better investment in the end. But anyways, so uh, the reason why I threw this in here, because players all the time talk about how expensive it is to stay competitive in games, say like Hearthstone or just really a lot of these TCGs are notorious for it. But I mean, should we just use this as proof that things could always be worse? Uh, I don't even know where to start with it. You know what this reminds me of? Nope. Remember back in the day that's, I mean, I think it's actually still around, but that golf game that was in every bar in the U.S. with like yeah, the... the tee shot or something like that. Golden yeah. tee. Golden tee, there you go. Yeah, yeah, this reminds me of that golden tee crap where everybody was like competitive golden tee player. I actually met a guy at a bar in Columbus like 10 years ago that was a, he was a world champion golden tee player. So see, esports has been a thing. Well, yeah, it has. What I find also funny is that someone in the same thread on Reddit said, I spent uh, like $1,200 last year, and I actually beat this guy at a tournament and won $900 back from that. So really, I spent $300 for the entire year of my competitive play. And he's, I think he says, like, I'm ranked like third. <laughs> I was going to say, what does like one, two, and three pay? I, I hard to say, but like this dude was like legit. This I think a Vice ran this story originally. That and they, sounds they, like something. They, nice yeah, about. they totally totally followed him around. Uh, had all these like weird pictures of him in a bar playing it. But is he wearing like camo and shit? Actually, I think so. Oh, yeah. yeah, and he was like really yeah. sweaty in like a picture. Like <laughs> he's been working hard. Yeah, that's right, right. Working hard for the money for my buck hunter. Oh yeah. Moving on, the NBA 2K League looks to go global as they announce their first international qualifier. The NBA 2K League APAC Invitational Event will be held next week in Hong Kong. It looks to pluck the top twenty players from Australia, China, New Zealand, and the Philippines and add them to the official NBA 2K League draft. So this is an another type of thing that they're doing to fill the draft class like they did with the women that we talked about right. uh, a couple of months back. We know that the NBA is obsessed with building their brand in Southeast Asia. Like they've done all sorts of partnerships. We they've had, you know, Chinese players like Yao Ming who's gone over there. The Houston Rockets still have a Chinese version of their jerseys. Could this be actually more popular in Southeast Asia than the physical sport? I don't know. I I, I mean, I understand what they're doing or why they're going after it, but the NBA 2K League did a really poor job at at promoting their players, growing their player brands, essentially. And uh, and I don't know if having a a player, say, from from China or a player from somewhere, anywhere in the APAC region to uh, kind of promote and move forward as like, hey, you should follow the NBA 2K League because of this. I mean, they already have really they kind of low numbers. They're not great numbers. No, no, this is not the uh, next... A tier esport, right? It's not. They're trying to grow it, so I think it's a, it is a, a smart move in a lot of ways. I just don't know if it's going to have the impact that they want. I know that they definitely want to use those Chinese viewership numbers in a lot of ways, but uh, and yeah, as that's you actually a good point, you're right. Like I wonder just by nature of it being happening in China, if that will get them the same level of numbers that we see other sports get out of China. Yeah, I don't know. I it could be it could be a really smart move for them because they're just holding kind of a regional tournament. Those top twenty players get moved over and they get declared for the draft. I just don't like I said. I don't think they did a great job of promoting their players. Like I don't. I can't think of any like one or two maybe players. I just know the one really. guy who got kicked out. And that's why I know them. Right? It's only because they got kicked out. And so I don't think that it's. It's not necessarily the same. It's not like a regionality. It's a piece where you have on a normal thing. Like, like when we look at like Overwatch, right? Yep. When you when you bring in a 
South Korean team. It's full of South Korean players. Well, Therefore, there's some regionality. Well, I knew you were going that route. But it, there's a regionality piece to it, right? It isn't like you don't see China or there's this kind of like nationality or uh, I don't know, like peace going on with one person from China and the rest of people from like America. It's not like they're like, yes, that's the Chinese team just because of that one player. It doesn't really doesn't really ring a bell. So I, I, who knows if it'll work? Maybe that's, Maybe it's a good – I, I mean, it did it, work with Yao Ming, to be fair. If we think about it from a general basketball standpoint, they were able to make the Rockets a big brand in China because of Yao Ming's participation in the right. NBA. But to your point, that requires them to do a much better job of marketing these players. Which they, it kind of blows my mind that they suck at it because they are so amazing at it with the actual sport. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's because the sport is already bigger than the NBA 2K League, right? When they did that, the NBA was huge. You had the Olympics. Everybody knew of the NBA. Like they, there was already still a national piece of, like from a competitive standpoint there. But there's not now with this. Like it, there, there isn't. It's nine thousand people watched like the, a stream. It's not that big. You're giving them a lot of credit. Did they get I, that high? I think they did. But once, <laughs> I no, I'm not totally knocking them. I just think that it's it. it it, it, maybe it's a good experiment. I, there's nothing wrong with it. I just feel like they've got a lot to worry about. Like they were even going like, you know, players were franchised and they made $32,000 a year last year. I'm like, well, like, come on. We need a little bit more love, I think. So, but I have the fun one. This show, okay. First off, this show is full of weird news this week. It feels like. Uh, we usually save it for the end, but I think actually we only we save the real news for the end this week. <laughs> it does. I don't know who prepared these show notes. Uh, so the uh, Farming Simulator, the company behind Farming Simulator, which I totally forgot their name, uh, they're looking to turn Farming Simulator into an actual esport uh, with the Farming Simulator League. That's correct. You're listening to the e League report. We're talking about Farming Simulator League. Uh, it's going Coming to be soon the TBS. It's it's a ten tournament. That might be awesome. Anyways, it's a ten tournament series uh, going to take place in the EU with over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, two hundred fifty thousand dollars in prize money. So, farming simulator. I mean, really? Is Wait, everyone, I think I think farming simulator is a very different game than farming simulator. Simulator. There you go. I don't know, man. I'm just I'm still like in shock at this. This came out like a little bit before the show. Um, I mean, they're turning esports. Is everybody trying to make the money grab in esports? I don't even know where to start. So when I first read this article, my favorite part of it was the first championship event debuted at Agra Technica 2017. So you you're playing this esport at like a factor like at a like a convention for farm equipment. Yeah, well, so here's the story behind that. They they brought this in. They put it on like a single booth, a single booth, and it was just like three people playing the game. They thought it would appeal to a younger audience. Like it always ends up happening when it comes to Gotta esports. Appeal to the younger, right? Right. I hear our kids like that stuff. So they had just like three people playing some stuff, uh, and it gathered like the largest crowd in the entire event. Like they took pictures. I saw pictures. Of it. it was it, it spread as far as like four booths away, and Isn't it was just crowd. You couldn't walk games, through. Like the Goat Simulator and the Doctor Simulator and all those other stupid ones on Steam that are like nine bucks. I think there, it was like competitive bail stacking. I'm not lying. I think it was legit competitive bail stacking is what they're doing. But either way. There was some some questions around whether or not does this farming simulator simulator count as an actual esport. I mean, it is a game. It is competitive, and there is a bigger prize pool for this than there is for a lot of things we legitimately call esports. 
I don't know that we can deny them the title. You can't really. I mean, if you think about it, in a lot of these I'm games, trying not to. But in a lot of these games, even though like you essentially, I mean, what the, the esports isn't defined anything other than what you just said. It's a video game and it's competitive, so therefore you've made it into a sport, a competitive sport. Can we put the Buck Hunter guy next to a couple of farming simulator players and just like see if you can guess their profession? I, I feel like do do the people who made the announcement for Farming Simulator League feel like shortchanged of the fact that the Vice story came up beforehand and might have stolen their thunder? They're like, damn it, we were going to be the weird hillbilly sport. Jeez, <laughs> man, you're like wrecking everybody today. What's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, back to normal esports. Blizzard kicked off a special event on their StarCraft Twitch channel today. An update on the DeepMind AI project that was talked about at BlizzCon 2017. They mentioned that the AI research with StarCraft was just beginning back then, and now we have a little more than a year later. How did this turn out? So, uh, not good for pro players, let's put it that way. So, DeepMind... I mean, I suck at StarCraft, whether it's the old AI or DeepMind, so... (laughs) So, DeepMind's AI, which they dubbed AlphaStar, um, took on two uh, players. I think it was uh, TOL and Mana, and they each had five games apiece against it. They both dropped all five games. So they went 10 and 0 until they decided to do a stream. And on stream, Mana actually ended up winning out. It was the, it was the spotlight. That did it, it must have been the pressure of doing it. So here's the, the crazy part about it is they have basically fed DeepMind uh, the learning algorithm, uh, well, the learning neural network and all that fun stuff, just machine learning. You throw it all in there, right? What are all the cool All things? the buzz uh, what's, what's all the Bitcoin? Blockchain. Blockchain. There you go. <laughs> so – uh, they basically, uh, within this last year, they have taught or, or used 200 years worth of games. Jesus. Right? Can they inject that into my head? <laughs> the 200 years worth of gaming into DeepMind is what it's learned off of, which is now why it's whipping up on pros. I, one of the reasons why I think this is, is super cool is if they're able to do it with StarCraft and they're able to move forward with different games, think about it from like a scrimming Potential because we see this with League and Dota as well. I think w- was it? yes, Dota, yeah. Dota. I don't, I don't know about League so much. I'm sure it's out there, but I think Dota does it at TI. They always have their own like, here's the current state of whatever, and right, right. you know, it's just like, can it beat Dundee? And like most people can beat Dundee now. So, yep. <laughs> um, wow, he did. Just Wait, resign. were you just talking about me wrecking people? Well, I mean, I, re- I just went after farmers. You went straight right. out a single person. Yes, correct. I'm much more focused <laughs> in my destructiveness. Um, simulation. Yes, simulation. <laughs> assimilation. <laughs> I was trying. I was just letting it hang Far- there. Farmer, farming assimilation. Um, where are we at? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> whatever. Moving on to actual news we were supposed to talk about. We should talk about. We haven't been I'm told still to checking, talk about I'm still it. checking my email for this announcement. <laughs> I know. We, we, I, I, we actually find out a weird roundabout way. Uh, so, you mean the esports observer? <laughs> yeah. So for those that, like we joke a lot about like being in a closet and 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 fr- at, at e league and, and broadcasting out of there um, and just I don't know, we're like the redheaded stepchild of 
of Ely. We are so red step that they found red, a way to red step red step it. Red step redemption is the new, <laughs> the newest game. This is awful. It's so it's so bad that sometimes we find out like days after everybody else finds out. They found some way to make sure that we don't find out when the rest of the world finds out. It's gotten so bad. That's <laughs> true. They literally lock us in that closet, and then we come out like three days later and go, "Hey, by the way, guys, we got FIFA coming this weekend." <laughs> so that's actually the news pieces. Uh, e League is partnered with EA. Oh, I'm sorry, for, did, I, did I bury the lead for, there? Yeah, for for a series of FIFA tournaments in 2019. I love this. I love FIFA. You love FIFA. We, we're both huge. I think we use the soccer slash football analogy with the Premier League and just about every so time much that people about. stop listening to the show. Yeah, right. We should just totally change it. So, what are your thoughts, though? Uh, however, I mean, this is a they're diverging from CS:GO and some of the normal stuff. What are your thoughts around E League moving away from? more true esports content to more event-driven content. I mean, I'm sure the people in the Turner Tower are super excited about this because it's more stuff that the kids will like. I don't know. This is tough. I've We talked a little bit about this pre-show. I think that E-League had this amazing brand. They were associated with competitive esports, right? Like, they're doing the major. They're doing the premieres, you know, they have all the major teams. It's a big deal to win the E-League Cup. And over the last couple of years, they've slowly transitioned into more of this event-based model, right? We're getting like a random Rocket League tournament. This thing that we have coming up this weekend for CSGO is an invitational as opposed to a premiere event. We got this FIFA thing. So I really think it depends on how you look at it. If you loved E-League as a CSGO brand that was producing amazing CSGO-centric content, you're probably a little sad. You're like, I'm not getting nearly as much CSGO content as I liked. This doesn't feel like events that matter you can throw as much money as you want at it but there's a difference between it having a big prize pool and it meaning something to the overall season for that particular game now with fifa they've actually found a way to give you both an event-based thing that's a new game that they're getting into while also tying it to their fifa ultimate team tournament that e-league is doing where they call it the e-world cup that ea is doing at this point so I don't know. I'm torn on it. I, I miss the CSGO glory days for E-League, but it's also cool to see them bring their production value to so many different games. Yeah, I think we talked about it before. It, it, it's putting all of your eggs into one basket around one game is really dangerous, right? And it, you have to look at E-League is essentially a TV series first and a tournament organizer essentially second. At least that's how... Or maybe it, even it's, third. It should, or third, right? So... Um, and so they are producing esports content for television. I think you have to look at it from that standpoint. So if you only did CS:GO, then the chances are of you always of that audience growing in that slot on TV is probably pretty slim yeah. because that audience is used to Conan. CS:GO. Uh, <laughs> they're used to CS:GO on on Twitch. But like you look at stuff that the WB has done has been around these games that have. Um, High, uh, they're, they're highly recognizable by people outside of the typical esports ecosystem, and that's what they're trying to grab. Right? Is is a lot of those people who are watching TV and maybe flipping through and being like, "Oh, cool! There's some really neat stuff going on. I'll watch that." And that's really where they're going to get. They're not trying to draw people necessarily away from Twitch to watch it. They can in some ways. Well, no, because people that are going to watch it on Twitch are going to watch it when it's live. Because now they've even gone to this model where they're not doing a whole lot live. They're doing a bunch of post-produced versions of these tournaments. And and that's the thing that – but it, that's a, it's a weird mix too, right? Because some of these are more highly produced and therefore shorter, more concise. Sometimes you're getting more things from it because they're mixing in stuff like uh, more of a um, – documentary style piece yep, to it yeah, so, so the there's a bonus so there's a bonus that that would pull people from twitch over it, 
I, I mean, I'm torn on it as well. I, I think the stuff that they came out right out of the gate with, with CSGO was just amazing. I think they do – really, they do from a production value standpoint, whenever they get a hold of something, they do it, it, something extremely well. I think the Call of Duty stuff was a little different and and somewhat difficult for them because it was only out for two days, I think, at that point in time. Matter of fact, I think we bought the game then right and then hopped on a plane down to Atlanta. So no, no matter what came out of that, only having that game for two days and being able to have something cut and produced for TV is just an amazing feat. So I, I I feel like that's kind of like an exception to, to the to the rule or everything that E-League has done. But I think they do high, pro, high production stuff, um, e, even when they've handled things like majors, which is crazy difficult to, to put together. Yep. They've done a solid, solid job. And off-site. So, you know, and off-site, Boston too. major, not even at their studios, and still did a great job. True, true. So I think... Um, I think it's hard for people, uh, you know, originally who who came in under CS:GO and seeing what they had done for that scene and how they raised the bar for CS:GO. Their audience is largely CS:GO based, and I feel like, yeah, I could see where they could get a little, uh, I don't know, upset or uh, against it. It sometimes it's like you'll they'll post something on social media and be like this isn't CS:GO. Well, that's not really what they're there for. It's not like every time if you went and said, oh, that's not ESL because ESL is doing another event that is not CS:GO. I mean. That's a, that's a well, thing. we saw when they only did CSGO, you only got a couple events a year at most. Right, right. And they need to be more active than that. They've got an amazing studio that needs to be producing content. And I'd much rather watch... I know a podcast watch, they could produce. Uh, well, if that closet sits empty most of the time. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying, like they've got that space. They do great production. We need more stuff from them. And it's not. it doesn't need to be one game. Yep. Moving on. Apex Void has been disqualified from the HCT Winter Tournament after being accused of cheating. Did we get word.exe all over again? So this is an this is a little bit of a gray area. It's it's a weird situation. So Blizzard uh, on their Blizzard support blog, I can't remember exactly where it is. Like they they essentially declared under he violated a rule which is essentially cheating. Um, and what happened according to him, the actual story is this, he was in the middle of playing and they were playing on normal accounts cause he wasn't on the mainstream. So they were sitting a group of them together playing. And what he had done was he was a little nervous. So he was just kind of thinking to himself, um, and playing against it again, another a player across from him, but he was just kind of thinking to himself and it was just like, he typed out in like actual chat, to which was actually set to go to an admin, but he just typed in like, "Hey, I'm playing." He's like, "It was literally the question. It was, do I go hard fatigue against Odd Warrior?" Which is an obvious yes in the Odd Warrior mirror matchup. He was just kind of thinking out loud. According to him, he actually typed it in there because he was like, "I was just kind of hoping that like the player next to me would like look over and be like, yeah, and just like reassured me." Because here, and the funny thing is, he never sent. He never sent the message. Goes through, plays the match. Now, after he gets done, he's supposed to ping the admin and say, hey, I won. Here was the score here or whatever. And when he hit enter and opened it up, he accidentally sent that to the admin. So the admins thought he was talking to someone else through chat because they're on their own accounts and they had to leave spectating open. So they thought he mistyped something meant for someone else. The irony of this situation is had he turned to the person who was sitting next to him and asked them the very obvious question, which he was just – it was like rhetorical. Right. He would have been fine because that is legal. Oh, good God. Right? Right? But the fact he had typed it in and sent it to an admin, they assumed he was talking to someone else and therefore was cheating, therefore was disqualified from the tournament. He's come out and said, like, 
I shouldn't have. He's like, I was just literally thinking to myself, I could have just turned to that person. And even other people like say Zelay came to his defense was like, that's an obvious question. You know, that's the route you play like that mirror matchup is you won through fatigue. You just don't win it any other way. So it wasn't like he got tipped off or anybody could, even if anybody told him that it was like, do I play cards? Yes, you play cards. <laughs> like Damn that, it, you are disqualified. That's it. So it's a really awkward situation. He's not like too, t- the community is largely behind it. It's okay. There's been an instance of this before where someone was accused of cheating in a tournament a while ago. He was, uh, I don't know if you remember, he was a guy who was a poker player, uh, pretty well known. Daniel Negreanu? Mm, I don't know if it was him. Um, it wasn't him. It was uh, the guy who does also cosplay as well. I don't know if you remember. He, I, I don't anyways, but Blizzard really enjoyed, like liked this dude for a while because he was ex poker player, played a lot of Hearthstone. Elky, Elky was actually the person I was talking about. Anyways, so Elky was I would, playing. I would, a tournament. never guessed that in a million years. Right. Anyways, so it was Elky. Uh, he was in a tournament, and I think somewhere along the line, somebody saw that he was watching the stream for. Um, for when he was actually playing. Now the stream was on like a 30 minute delay, so it wouldn't have given many information. And he um, essentially was kind of not really like kicked out of a tournament or anything like, but like warned around it after the fact, whatever it may be. People tried to make it like, it was like big, like, Oh, he's cheating. And he actually stepped forward again. Then too, and was like, no, it wasn't cheating. I was like watching it on another monitor. It's like 30 minutes behind. Like it wasn't actually in. It wasn't well, was going to match. pick up by watching something that was thirty minutes behind. Right, right. And he says it's also really standard for like when you're in a poker tournament to go like when you're done to sit and watch what was going on because it's also a lot of times on a delay. Yeah. So you're still watching the match because you're looking for tells and things of that nature. Right, right, right. So it's pretty common. So he's like, I'm just used to always being in poker. I mean, the guy had like something like thirteen million in poker winning. So like he's obviously succeeded in that yep. and he wasn't cheating but he was just like it's pretty common for it and he goes i was just still he's still very much like learning the game in a lot of ways so i thought that was uh and when he came up people were like oh yeah okay cool we, we totally get it i mean it was just like a weird scenario but the same These way weird with, rules like apex void is like really well known for uh being like a top end player especially with like the mage class um and a lot of, and is a very well-known streamer and was super down about it and totally understandable he says he's going to continue competing but like that's just that kind of sucks. I mean, it's not as bad as some some of the wind trading that's gone on at other times, but right. still, it's uh, it was kind of a weird situation because nobody knew what happened until like days later. Because we knew he'd been disqualified, but we didn't know why. Right, right. It wasn't really announced as to why. Actually, we didn't even know he was disqualified. Well, he just like disappeared, <laughs> like from the tournament. Like they just didn't he's no it. longer with the company. Yeah, it, this is kind of – it's weird because they just basically reshuffled matches. And because a lot the disqualification happened off stream because he was on his own personal account, right. not on one of theirs, that's why it happened. If he'd been on one of theirs and sent that, then they would have known like, oh, hey, he couldn't actually be talking to anybody because he would have had to add them as a friend. So hence the gray area. But Fun times. Finally, an admin pays attention at the wrong time, gets wrong information. According <laughs> to – according now, according to – to Apex Void, but I, I'm I'm willing to take that as a thing as a because oh, he knows he's going to get caught. So why would you do it knowing you're going to get caught? R- right? Why would you have it open? I mean, and then he accidentally sends it to an admin. The admin like it wasn't shown that he had any other logs to talking to anybody else. The irony so. here is, had he had Word.exe, he could have just wrote his note there instead of in the chat. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Word.exe would have actually saved someone from cheating for once. No. Anyways. All right, so moving along, let's go ahead and talk about uh, more people getting on that Battle Royale train. 
we now have Rockstar Games diving in with Red Dead Redemption 2 getting the gun rush mode. Now, this is Rockstar Games' first foray or jump into this whole battle royale space. Do you think it's something that they're actually going to put actual effort into, or is it just sort of a whim they test, they're testing the waters? I think it's just a cool thing for them to do. Like, Rockstar has always done weird things with these open-world games that have kind of kept it fresh or given people something to do. Obviously, doing a Battle Royale mode with a bunch of gunslingers is pretty damn awesome. I'd be shocked if they do anything beyond just having this mode in there. Like, I don't think this is eSports. I don't think this is, like, a standalone game. Uh, but if you look at, like, Grand Theft Online, still tons of great streaming numbers, still full of memes and YouTube videos and things. So I imagine I'm going to do the same thing with Red Dead. And this will be just another thing that does it. I think it's a really cool move on their part. And it's a unique in that we, we saw, I don't remember the name of the game, but a few months ago we talked about that game that was like a battle royale with like wizards and dragons and shit. I always like right. those interesting takes that are more than just like tweaking the same mechanics. It's like in a completely different setting and the weaponry is always going to be different. And it's, it's cool, but I don't think it's going to go anywhere. This one, I watched some of the gameplay. I haven't had a chance to do it myself, but I watched some of the gameplay with it. And one of the reasons why I don't think it'll go too, too far is because probably the weakest part of Red Dead Redemption uh, or just about any Rockstar game is the actual firing mechanic and the actual combat mechanic. It's usually the weakest part. Never, like, super great. Um, but when everybody has basically <laughs> when everybody is still kind of using that crappy mode or crappy ability to do it, it's, like you're all you're on the, field? it's a level playing field, right? Um, they in the I mean, they, I saw two different versions of it. There was the the team based uh, version, which was kind of cool, and then there's like uh, just a, again your normal typical. I think they do 32 players in it. Um, essentially, what happens is uh, you're just kind of dropped into like a forest. It, they use the actual world in which you normally play throughout the game. Uh, and they actually, and they use those. Oh, buildings. interesting. So it's not like a, a special map or anything. No, no, they're they're using different scenarios and places throughout throughout the actual world uh, that you would normally play in. So, I, I think it's it was pretty cool to watch. I don't think it has legs. I mean, they still are creating modes for uh, Grand Theft Auto Online. I think they just dropped like their arena piece where yeah. you can have like battle cars and stuff. So they're doing all kinds Run of run those great hookers stuff. over. Oh, jeez. Well, do we just submit that for our Twitter piece right there? Um, that was lighthearted and positive. <laughs> Anyways, uh, somebody's going to catch on to what the joke we were talking about here. Anyways, um, I don't know what I'm talking about, so let's just go ahead and move on. Video game revenue has surpassed the $43 billion mark in 2018. This represents an 18% increase over last year and is $15 billion more than what streaming services brought in last year. Uh, there's some interesting numbers to this. Hardware and peripherals went up to $7.5 billion from $6.5 billion, a 15% increase. Software, including in-game purchases and subscriptions, went up 18% to $35.8 billion. Now we know why they are doing those endemic sponsorships. Uh, people question why there are value in esports for companies, but these numbers seem to at least tell us a, a story that, like, yep, a lot of money in video games. Yeah, I don't even know if these numbers take in actual revenue from esports teams. It seems to be just hardware and actual game sales yep, yep. and add-on. But the marketing so, engine that esports brings to the equation, like now you see why they're willing to do all this just to market a damn game. Yeah, I think the funny part was I don't know if we mentioned this last show, but on Netflix's like call around their uh, uh, their quarterly uh, earnings, the qu- quarterly yeah. earnings, they mentioned they're not worried about HBO; they're worried about Fortnite. <laughs> like Fortnite is their biggest competitor. Yeah, because it's like, not HBO. should I Netflix and chill or should I Fortnite and chill? 
is that, I'm not going to ask if that's a thing. Anyways, so I I think that uh, was it Rule Forty Two. This is don't please just please don't, don't go there. I just think that uh, you know the, there's been talks of what like by 2020, 2025, esports being like a twenty billion dollar business. I don't. I still think those numbers I, are. I love those studies. Right. I love. Yeah. I still don't think we're, we're going to get anywhere near that. Um, I think for you to hit that mark, you would need to see game sales being even higher. Um, and eighteen percent year over year growth is, is yeah, great. For it to be represent half the revenue of actual video game sales is absurd. Right. Yeah. So those numbers still seem way, way, way crazy. Unless to somebody me. convinces the Overwatch League to have like two hundred and fifty teams and they all pay forty million dollars. Or four hundred million dollars. Well, <laughs> there we go. Math. I don't know. Yeah. Let's add a zero. All right. So uh a company that is actually doing well and maybe is maybe is back in some ways. Uh, Riot Games they've now chosen to partner with Liga de Videojuegos Profesional, which is LVP. Uh, they're spinning up a regional UK league for League of Legends. Think like Challenger League, but UK right. regional specific. Do you think the smaller regional specific leagues are the way to go for Riot? This is a weird move, right? Because they killed the Challenger system when they franchised NA and EU. And now they've got what is effectively another challenger league, but specifically to just the UK. Um, I don't even know what to think about this. This is just a strange move. When you first told me about the story, I went and read it like twice because I was like, wait, am I reading this right? Like, why would they spin up a weird small regional league in just one country in the EU after killing the entire secondary tier system in League of Legends? And this is effectively that. Well, and they're also partnering with uh, LVP, which runs the, uh, what was it, Superliga Orange in Spain, which is essentially the same thing, a regional uh, League of Legends league essentially is this them basically saying hey we don't want to pay to run challengers anymore but we'll partner with people to run challengers i think that's actually what it is which is why i'm wondering if this is smart because now they're partnering with these other teams and they're looking to do things like run leagues now though there is the european masters uh league of legends kind of championship that goes on yep. and anybody who i think they whoever wins like the spring split or summer split i think for the uklc uh, which is the regional league acronym uh, will actually get spun up into into masters to compete. So they're kind of creating this. They're going to back their way into that weird Premier League structure. <laughs> it is. I, they actually refer to the UK LC as the Premier League of Legends League. That's not uh, confusing. Yeah, not not at all. Um, but I think that it, it's just weird that they they chose to dip out of it. I get because then they don't have to actually run it. But the, here's the other thing: they're running it more like franchises too. Teams to get into it. I don't know if you saw this. Teams to get into this have to submit like a business plan. They have to basically. It's not like I'm going to, like like we dem girls. No, you have to be more than just like a. a but I want to be dem girls. I know, but but anyways, you have to have a little bit more behind your actual business before you jump in. And they're not just taking like me and a couple friends got into the league kind of thing because there's no. There's no, it's not the HGC, is what you're saying. Yeah. There's no uh, – well, that's an interesting piece here. There's no like way to qualify into it. They're, they're bringing teams in because I think Excel and Fnatic Academy teams are basically already in on the UK LC. Oh. Um, right? Look at this. So now I'm wondering two things. Sneaky, sneaky. One, right? one was this automatically built into something if you joined in the LEC, right? It's maybe in the future as we spin out in I'm these regionals. If you can't see yeah, no, sorry, you can't see that. Uh, but as they spin up these regionals, you automatically get your academy team in, more revenue streams possible, right? 
Oh man. And then the timing of this at, with there. with the fall of the HGC, how many of those teams are just going to maybe flip over and try League of Legends? Oh, the brands themselves, maybe. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Super weird, right? Sometimes you confuse me. Uh, maybe sometimes they're smart. I don't, I don't know. know. They're smarter than we give them credit for. Another thing that we maybe need to give them credit for is that viewership numbers are up for the LEC over 2018, despite having eight less hours of broadcast time. So this is a big revamp of the EU LCS. One of the weaker systems within the League of Legends esports ecosystem is Riot and League back, or is this just some new shiny that's going to wear off by midseason? I would have said that they. It, it's new shiny. I still sort of feel like it might be because this is the launch of an actual league. And I think some people wanted to see where these teams would shake up, especially after like maybe their team got kicked from European league of legends. And now they're like, hmm. who's this Excel? Why do we care? Like, you know what I mean? Like, or who are some of these teams that got in that should not have, where's Astralis, right? <laughs> Whatever. Um, so, there are some of these things that I think that um, maybe people were tuning in there and in for it. But the thing that impressed me the most is it was eight hours less. So you got more total hours view viewed, more concu- concurrent viewership, viewership numbers. Easy for you to say. Man, I know. We, we should have done this at a time when I <laughs> could actually speak. Simulation. There we go. Uh, so that that number alone, the fact that they've, they put eight hours less of, of broadcast time into it and beat their numbers before feels a little stronger than maybe just a whim. We, I mean, I'm happy if that's the case. They put a lot of effort into that LEC yeah. rebrand. Yeah. And on top of it, they've got all the additional sponsorships, all the companies that kind of jumped in on that. So their revenue split should hopefully be better uh, in hopes. Maybe Puma will make some game day pants for an LEC team. Just for Riot, just for, just for weekends. But yeah, <laughs> my weekend game day. Pants. So let's, of the, of the smaller teams that maybe were affected by the HGC stuff, Method being one of them, right? They had a team in, the, in HGC, correct? They jumped out of, I Who, thought they were uh, interested. It's indicative. We cover esports, and I paid very little attention to the Oh, HGC. man. No, I definitely know that they did. Anyways, so Method announced, yeah, Method announced uh, a second Wild Race to World finish event, which kicks off tomorrow, the 25th. I had to think of what day it was. Uh, and this time, they're, they're going after the, the latest... Raid Battle of Dazar. Why do I get all the weird ones? You select Dazar Allure. Dazar Allure? Anyways. There come more emails. You haven't <laughs> yeah. even got to the freaking question yet. I know. So Blizzard recently announced plans for the Mythic Dungeon Invitational, right, which you and I both agree felt really underwhelming, like almost like it was scrapped together. Like we're going to have to pay for this. Like maybe it got shuttered by Blizzard themselves. Like, no, no. What if we pay for it with a plush doll? Pets. Right. Or pets. pets or something everything. like that. Right. So, but now here's method, which is a team slash guild. That's able to gather sponsorships and tons of viewership, especially like, I mean, I think they almost topped 200 K last time. Yep. I mean, this is for a similar type of event, but it's really about like one team. Is Blizzard just missing the boat here? Uh, you know, we heard some rumblings at BlizzCon that they were going to put some more effort here, and then those rumblings disappeared, and then we got the weird pet thing, and I don't know, but they are. If something major doesn't happen from this, it is their most watched esport. A lot of the, if you do basically pure, based on pure viewership numbers, it outdid most of the Overwatch League last season, right? Why would you not put some effort into there? Like, take some of those resources from the HGC that is no longer around, pour one out, and give it to the Mythic Dungeon Invitational events. Because they do, even when they're like, eh, they're still beating out most 
B tier esports, right? Like there's more people paying attention to a random invitational stream. Like I saw one uh, a few months ago, sixty thousand. The NBA 2K League would kill to have those numbers for right? a game. Right. I think this is just absurd. I mean, so Method has brought in Red Bull um, and uh, Discord. They've they were returning sponsors for this. They've added things like uh, Zippo. The funny part about Zippo. 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 Yeah, the like the lighter. The lighter. Guess what they're doing? Guess what they're sponsoring? Hand warmers. Remember this talk we had about oh my God, how long the stupid until hand warmers? How long is it until someone sponsors hand warmers for players? And Zippo is here to save the day. Finally, I mean, it's it's, again, I'm going to keep picking on this, but it's a hell of a lot more relevant than fucking game day pants. <laughs> so Zippo is sponsoring the the actual hand warmers, rechargeable hand warmers, nonetheless. Uh, and then you've got like Fanbyte, I think, is jumping dangerous. in, which is people behind like Wild. Uh, sorry, uh, the parent company of like the Wild Database, Wildhead, and all of them. That's still a thing. Kensington's there, and of well, Twitch, Twitch is attached to everything. But still, look at the, look at the sponsorship they've grabbed around a game that is forty five million years old, <laughs> right? And it's just that them running, and and it's just them running it. And you, but the cool thing is, like, you can watch it from like fifteen different player perspectives. I hope they paid their licensing fees. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, no, it's not technically a tournament, so maybe they're even getting around that. It's that an way. event. They're literally just streaming their own stuff, their own like it's no different than a, a single player doing it. Wake oh, up, so Blizzard! Weird. Wake the fuck up! Yeah, they're missing out here. It's just the obvious stuff. The obvious <sighs> stuff. They didn't even have to franchise this. I know. I know. Last but not least, ESL, an Epic Games partner for Fortnite tournaments, including one that will take place at IEM Katowice. Epic seemed to shy away from big tournament organizers in the past. In fact, literally last episode, we were giving them shit for this. Clearly, they listen. Once again, we are predicting the future of esports. Is this them giving in? Hand warmers and predictions of ESL picking up Fortnite? I feel like ESL picking up Fortnite was an obvious. This is the thing only reason E League keeps us employed, by the way. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I mean, I, I don't think this is them giving in. I think this is them finally realizing that, like, it, you know, we this can't go this alone. Yeah, yeah, we can't go this alone. Now, if they could only find someone to write blog posts for them or announcements for them that aren't like vague, like we're we're going to have a tournament around a game. TBD, like that's legit. Every every time they post that they're having a tournament, we're gonna have a podcast again. <laughs> TBD, maybe not actually after this one. No, nope, that's too long. You've gotten the three <laughs> sentences there. It can only be two. But uh, yeah, I think there's just so much going on that's just it's, they have to they have to partner with someone. ESL's obviously the only one to to be able to handle. Where's really this side? Or did we miss the email and it's already been announced? <laughs> I don't know. The funny thing here is this story was broken by. Uh, before Epic could send out their like three like their three letter three letter, it just says ESL and it was like says, okay cool. It just says TBD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, before they could send out the press release on it, uh, it was found that uh, ESL had made an ESL Fortnite Twitter account and it already added like a section to their site around Twitch or uh, around. Um, Can't trust like, those partners. Tournament. Yeah, you never know. You never know. 
Oh, that's going to do it for the episode. You can, of course, catch us every Monday and Thursday on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Just head over to eLeagueReport.com for all the ways to listen and subscribe. And, of course, while you're over there, uh, leave us a five-star review. Maybe tell us how uplifting of an episode this was. Did this motivate you? Does this make you feel warm and fuzzy on the inside? We'd love to know. And, of course, you can let us know directly if you want to come over to our Discord at Discord.eLeagueReport.com. And, of course, don't forget to catch that eLeague CSGO Invitational coming up this week. January 25th through the 27th on Twitch, eLeague.com, and BR Live. That's going to do it. We'll be back next week for the Monday edition of the E-League.